I'll create, excuse me, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Wow, what three wonderful texts we have to be able to look at. That's why my words are, are twisted. I don't know if you took the time to listen to these three tonight, but the way that they interweave with one another is so special. I feel so privileged to be here with you tonight, to be able to hear these, to be able to speak about these, to be able to learn from these. Let's start with that gospel lesson that Pastor Allen read for us. I just want to look at it again and review for a brief moment uh, from John chapter 12, beginning at verse 20 and 21. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Uh, One time, Pastor Allen told me that he had preached in a congregation that on the pulpit had a little plaque there. And it said something very close to this. Uh, Sir or preacher, please show us Jesus. I was thinking that uh, we should have a plaque like that here But after last week and hearing Pastor Bill's sermon, I thought we could add to it a little bit. Uh, Preacher, please show us Jesus in 20 minutes or less. (laughs) Have you ever caught yourself uh, thinking for a moment, or maybe even physically saying, uh, back when I was young, things were different. You can be any age and think this. Back when I was young, things were different. There were different values. There were different morals. People's minds and actions were wrapped around what the Bible has to give to us and worshiping God. People knew those great stories that we hear about in Scripture. Stories about David, the story of the the Exodus, the book of Genesis, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Deborah, you name it. They knew the stories. All parents worried about at that time is if you played your music backwards that somehow you were going to hear the devil, right? But parents worry about different things today. I'm a parent. Many of you are parents. We worry about our children. Maybe some of us worry about what our children or even grandchildren are hearing in in school today. Maybe some of us worry about what our children are are seeing on the internet or on social media. Maybe we worry about our children just making it home safe at the end of the day. It feels like the world is in a very different place maybe from when you were young. And maybe you examine that and you think about those words for tonight and you wonder, do people still want to see Jesus? Think about where Christianity is today, especially within the U.S. in particular. Prayer has been abolished from most of our schools and workplaces, from legal establishments. In today's world, it would seem that science and Feelings receive uh, more place within our world than religion and social morality. Technology is moving faster and faster all the time, yet it seems like our spirituality is going backwards and backwards, crawling into a deep hole maybe even at points, as our moral compass tends to be slipping. A world that applauds things like uh, abortion or euthanasia, A world that 
maybe encourages our children at times to be able to make dishonest gains, to be able to do selfish and crude behavior, to be able to get ahead? And we come back to that question again. Do people still really want to see Jesus? But maybe we need to examine ourselves too, right? We heard that in our time of confession and in the prayers tonight. It's not just the the world. We are a part of that, are we not? As Christians, we are called to be able to live in this world but not live of this world. But how are we doing at that? Are there times when we negotiate our behavior? Times when we ignore God's laws? Maybe times when we forget or just even hide that gospel light that Jesus has given to us. Let's back up a minute before we continue on tonight. We're talking about where our world is today, but where was our world? Did they truly have better morals at one point? Did they truly lead more God-pleasing lives? Did everybody in our past really want to see Jesus more than people of today? Did you hear that Old Testament passage that Dan read for us tonight from the book of Jeremiah? A a group of people, God's people, in fact, God's chosen people, who God hears their cries, he rescues them from slavery, you know the story, he deeds them the promised land, yet this is the same group of people that end up turning their backs upon God and breaking this covenant with him. Review that with me for a moment tonight from Jeremiah chapter 31, back at verse 31 and 32. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand and led them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was husband to them, declares the Lord. So God creates this this new covenant allowing Israel, and in fact all people, to be his people. It's a covenant that is, that is sealed in the blood of Christ. He who serves as this mediator between us and between our Heavenly Father. The one our world and, and every one of us here today needs to be able to see at every point in our life. Our sin is so rooted at times, and and just stubborn behavior. This is true of all of us. In this perverse way that we think is better than God's way, and we must call upon him to be able to change our hearts so that this great Savior we have will be able to put all of us in concert with our Creator to fine-tune us in this, this spirit of who God is and what he has come to do. And then in this process, he will orchestrate through us this assembly that gathers here tonight and throughout the world an amazing presentation of people who fear and love God, of people who are praying, of people who are worshiping, of people who are loving their neighbor, of people who are praising God even in the midst of our worst sufferings. Why? Because we see the Lord not merely here, but we see him here. He has changed our hearts. He has changed our lives. And people in our culture 
need to know that. People today are not all that different than the Greeks that we read about in that text that ask for this audience with Jesus. Now, they may not be asking the questions we think they should be asking. Where is your church? What does the Bible say about this? Maybe I should pray about this. But they ask other questions or make other statements. Why do you care about me? I noticed you're caring about me. Why are you always so filled with with joy? What makes your heart so filled with joy? Why are you so, so honest? Why are you so trustworthy? And when they ask these questions, as disciples of Christ, we share this relationship that we have with God. This priority that we have made as disciples of Christ in honor of him. The priority that we are in the Lord's life, all in hopes of hearing them come back to us and ask, can you, can you show me this Jesus? I would like to see him. I would like to have a relationship with him. I hope most of us here tonight have experienced this life-changing truth. I can only assume that's why we're gathered here this evening. This is what Paul speaks about in that epistle lesson that we heard for tonight. Again, review that with me from Galatians 2, verses 19 and 20. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Pastor Allen mentioned that, that theme that we have for all of our Wednesdays, uh, from dust to disciples. I was in Home Depot the other day, and as I walked down one of the aisles, I saw all the bags sitting there of cement. If you've ever poured cement before, or seen a bag that's cut open, all it is is just a, a bunch of dust. All this cement dust, you can't do anything with it until it is, it is touched and mixed and bound together with pure water. And in that moment, that dust is transformed. It is, it is changed. It becomes concrete. Not because of anything it has done, but because of this powerful agent that is added to it. This pure, clean water. By faith, Christ has come into our lives and has intermixed with us so much that we no longer are our old self Paul says, we have become something new. You have this foundation in the Lord, one that, that cannot be broken. This living water that is within each of us, an eternal gift from God. You have lived and you have seen this truth of our Savior, the one who loves his people so much that he becomes this gift for us. People in our world are, are hungry. People in our world are thirsty. They need this, this living water that Jesus offers. And not just by our, our words or by our actions or by our deeds, but in everything that we do is we prioritize God as number one within our lives. As we show them over and over again this living water that we have through the grace 
and mercy that Jesus has given to each one of us, God opens those doors for you and me. And he tells us the time has come. Here is that moment. God has placed every one of you in a very specific ministry context. An area where he has called you to be able to serve and to reach out to other people. Most people like to gather with people that have similar uh, thought process as them. As people who have similar uh, interests or similar hobbies. You do these things. We do that because we like to be around people that are, are like us. And in those moments, we are able to share things with them. Who are the people that are in your circle? Maybe people that are non-Christians that are within your circle. People who may be open to be able to hear some of this great gift that we are exploring together tonight. This is why these Greeks come directly to Philip in our gospel text. Philip has a Greek name. Philip is from a Greek region. Philip is like them. And they come with those special words and Philip responds to their request. Listen to his behavior. John 12, 22 through 23. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. And Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What, a, what an interesting response, by the way. Backtrack with me uh, even further. The first miracle that Jesus performs He's at that wedding in Cana. They run out of wine. Jesus' mother commands the servants, do whatever he tells you, tells him to be able to get involved. And he says those words, uh, my hour has not yet come. Later on, we see Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well, being able to speak with her. And twice during that time, he says to her, the hour is coming. But today he has a different response. After the not yets and the almost, Jesus appears today to us and he says those special words. The hour has come. The hour has come for those chosen people who broke the covenant with our Lord in our reading from Jeremiah. The hour has come for Paul that former persecutor of Christians that pens our gospel text for tonight. The hour has come for those Greek sinners who want to be able to see Jesus. And in all three of these texts, the hour has come tonight for you. Communication isn't the same today as it used to be. It is always changing. But as disciples... Formed and forgiven by the death and resurrection of Christ, we are challenged to communicate uh, in an ever-changing world, in the context that we find ourselves in. A world that may not believe in an ultimate truth. A world that will tell many people that there has to be another way to be able to get to heaven. So what do we do? How do we do this? Well, when that hour comes, we need to make sure that we respond. 
when our neighbor loses their job, we need to, to, we need to show them Jesus. When our son or, or daughter uh, goes through a divorce, we need to show them Jesus. When uh, somebody in our, our congregation loses a, a, a spouse, we need to show them Jesus. We need to show them our Savior. Who wouldn't want to see Jesus? One minute a man is performing these miracles of, of walking on water, and the next he is bent down washing the feet of his disciples. An individual who goes to the, the cross for our sin and a few days later is rising from the dead. An individual who is this gentle lamb and this mighty lion. He is the Lord of lords. He is the king of kings. He is the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Who wouldn't want to see the one who died to set us free? Our culture is full of temporary and artificial stimulants. But only one thing can fill the longing that we have in our hearts. Be those disciples of Jesus. He formed you from the dust. Let him continue to form you and form others through you today. Keep it simple. Let those around you see Jesus. Souls are thirsty and they need to see Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, so show them Jesus. And you know what? I bet you can do all of these things in 20 minutes or less. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, uh, challenge us tonight that we may be doers of your word. Lord, we hear these things that you are granting unto us and challenging us, and we know that it can be difficult. So Lord, give us that opportunity. If that's attending the witness workshop, uh, then you get us there. If that is putting us in a place that we need to, to share Christ through our words, through our deeds, then make your spirit overpower us to be able to do those things in our lives. Lord, your church will always thrive here on this earth. And we know you have contacted each of us to be able to be a special part of that. And so do that with us. For everybody here tonight, for all of the members that shepherd of the desert, for your church here on earth, strengthen us, Lord, that we may be able to be your disciples. Form us. Do with us what you will. Allow us to see that sacrifice that Christ paid for us on the cross and know the freedom and excitement that we have through the gospel. In Jesus' name, we lift these things and our challenge tonight. Amen.